0: It's a beautiful morning here today lovely and sunny and a really nice summer's day and we're going to talk again about the book of joel today we're going to talk about joel and the day of the lord the day of the lord you know some of these books as we start to study them Uh, come easier in some ways than others. But I find the book of Joel quite interesting but difficult. Nevertheless, we will carry on with the Lord's help. We finished our talk last week with Joel reminding the priests, telling them to lie all night in sackcloth and ashes and therefore they must sanctify themselves and call a solemn assembly and then to gather all the elders and the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and then to cry out to the Lord get yourselves right with God He's telling the priests repent in sackcloth and ashes and then sanctify yourselves All the vessels in the temple were sanctified. They were set apart for the use of God. Alone. And that's what he's telling these priests to sanctify themselves. And that's what God wants of each one of us who claim to be followers of him to sanctify ourselves. Separate ourselves from the things of the world and do things solely for the use of God in our lives. The people were therefore instructed during these solemn assemblies to do no work. They were to keep themselves solely in a state of sanctification and not to get involved in anything else. You know, I checked up on some of, of the occasions when solemn assemblies were called quite a few times in Scripture. But there was one very interesting one, which I thought I would just slip in to, to just uh, tell you about this. Jehu, who was king of Israel, and he decided that he would call a solemn assembly and he said sanctify a solemn assembly for Baal Baal worship was idol worship and it was rife through Israel one of the reasons why God had treated Israel so severely was because of Baal worship but Jehu had a subtle plan and he declared a solemn assembly for Baal. And the elders and the others, they proclaimed it. And Jehu had messengers sent through all Israel. And all the worshippers of Baal came. And the house of Baal, which was in Israel, was packed out. As the Bible says, it was full from one end to the other and uh, Baal was to be worshipped this is in 2nd Kings chapter 10 from verse 19 if you want to look it up yourselves and then he made sure that there were no other worshippers other than those who worshipped Baal and he got made sure that they weren't there as impostors and then he had the sacrifices and they started the sacrifices and then he had a group of special forces waiting in the wings and he sent all these troops into the house of Baal and they killed all the worshippers They broke up the images, and they broke up the temple, and at that time, for a while at least, it broke up the Baal worship in Israel. Quite a drastic way to have a revival. But nevertheless, that was just interesting, I thought, that in fact there was a solemn assembly called to the prophets of Baal. But one of the most interesting ones I looked at was one that Solomon called. Solomon is a good example of forming a solemn assembly. And following the dedication of the temple, in Second Chronicles 6 verse 28, we read the prayer of Solomon which he made after or during the solemn assembly. And here's the prayer he made. And really this prayer is quite prophetic because he had well, wait till I read it and you'll see how prophetic it was. If there be if there be dearth in the land, if there be pestilence, If there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be, then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made of any man or of all thy people Israel? when? Every one shall know his own sore and his own grief, and shall spread forth his hands in this house. Then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive, and render unto every man according unto all his ways, whose heart thou knowest. For thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men, that they may fear thee to walk in thy ways so long as they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers what a wonderful prayer but he was looking forward to a time when Israel would sin 2nd Chronicles 7 verses 8 to 10 we have a similar type of thing also at the same time Solomon kept the feast seven days and all Israel with him, a very great congregation from the evening in from the entering in of Hamath unto the river of Egypt and in the eighth day they made a solemn assembly for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days and on the third and twentieth day of the seventh month he sent the people away from into their tents. Glad and merry in heart for the goodness that God the Lord had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel his people. The result of that solemn assembly the people went away thankful in heart and grateful to God for all that he had done through David and through Solomon. But we read further on then in that chapter down to verse 12 That night the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, and there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open, and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. The Spirit of God speaking through Solomon could see how Israel would be corrupted and then we have that reply from God from the Lord that night to Solomon. A solemn assembly was always called for special days. And the people that those that had the right effect. Those people went away glad and merry in heart for the goodness that God had shown to them and to David and to Solomon and through them to the people of Israel. Joel was to lead the people onward in thought to a wonderful future. Did they respond to his call? Sadly, reading through the scriptures and the record of future events, I do not think so. There is nothing to give us any hope of a national return to God in Joel's time. But we shall stay with Joel here and see what occurred in his time. Reading on in chapter 1 and from verse 16, we see Joel was thinking about all that had happened to these people in the midst of all the the devastation again so vividly shown and it says is not the meat cut off before our eyes yea joy and gladness from the house of our God the seed is rotten under their clods the garners are laid desperate the barns are broken down For the corn is withered. How the beasts do groan. The herds of cattle are perplexed. Because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. Poor Joel could see nothing but disaster before his eyes. And what was his answer? Joel's answer was to commit it all to God in prayer. In these days in which we live, what is your answer? What is my answer? The same as it was in Joel's day. Commit it all to God in prayer. This was the short prayer here that Joel made. O Lord, to thee will I cry. For the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. And the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto thee. For the rivers of water shall dried up. And the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. You know we've seen in recent days these fires in California. And in Australia, just a few months ago, very similar to what Joel was having to face in Israel. And then in verse 15 we have this prayer or this order that Joel is sent out. At last, For the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. He introduces here the promise from God, it is nigh at hand and it still is. What is this day of the Lord that he is talking about? Joel has just described the condition of the land and of Israel as a nation but now he is given this vision of some greater judgment from God which will come the day of the Lord. Now we must remember that this book of Joel was written for the Jewish nation our Lord had not come to the earth and had not been crucified nor risen from the dead so the church is not seen nor envisaged in these verses however Christ before he ascended left a wonderful promise to his followers Joel has seen this promise from God which is nigh at hand and which was going to be disastrous in many ways but we as Christians have received a wonderful promise from Christ he said to his followers I go to prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. John 14 verses 2 and 3 You know that prophetic promise which Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended. This prophetic promise has been more fully expressed by the Apostle Paul in his various epistles and also by the Apostle Peter and others. Here's what Paul said when he wrote to the Thessalonians, the first book of Thessalonians, chapter 4, from verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also, they which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. That we, we which are alive, Paul thought that this could even happen in his day. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, shall not go before them which are asleep, those who have died. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, comforting the people, who were worried about what was going to happen in the future. First Thessalonians 4, 14-18 this event usually known as the Rapture of the Church. The Rapture of the Church, I was looking at my old Oxford English reference dictionary and it says for Rapture the act of transferring a person from one place to another. What a good Description The rapture of the church, the act of transferring a person from one place to another, from this earth to glory. And following on from the rapture of the church will take place the day of the Lord, which is mentioned in our passage for today. The day of the Lord heralds in a time of great tribulation, wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes and extreme trouble. We are given a short typical explanation in the book of Joel. Chapter 2 and reading from verse 1 Joel speaking Blow ye the trumpet in Zion And sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. A day of darkness and of gloominess. A day of clouds and of thick darkness. Just like a dark dull morning. There hath not been ever like it. Neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. The earth shall quake before them, the heaven shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? As our Lord said prophetically speaking in Matthew 24 and verses 21 and 22 For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to the time no nor ever shall be. It is important that we understand the difference between the coming of the Lord to the air as a bridegroom coming for his bride in the rapture of the church and on the other hand the day of the Lord when Jesus Christ will come to the earth as a thief in the night 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 2 and Second Peter 3 verse 10 going over to Revelation chapter 3 there's a little few verses there but Chapter 3, verse 3. Remember, it's speaking to one of the churches in Revelation. God speaking. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come as a thief in the night. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come unto thee we should be watchmen watching all the signs which God gives you know we did a little talk a while ago on the meeting that's going to take place in the air there's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet sweet by and by I'm going to meet you Meet you over there in that home beyond the sky. Such singing will be here, you will hear, never heard by mortal ear. It be glorious, I do declare, and God's own Son will be the leading one at that meeting in the air. I suppose the main question we must ask ourselves is, will I be at this meeting? You may answer, oh yes, I'm sure I will be there all right, touch wood, but as we would say in Ireland, are you sure to be sure? Because with this meeting there's no touch wood certainly permitted. No touchwood certainty permitted. The great open air meeting, as we said, is soon to be to take place. Far greater than any which has ever taken place, usually called the rapture or translation of the church. It will have many striking features. And will be entirely different from anything ever witnessed or will ever be witnessed again in this world. Let us look at some of these wonderful features. As we read before, John 14 verse 6. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And where is this meeting going to take place? It's not on earth, it's not, it's not in heaven, but in the air. 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed." And it goes on Paul in First Thessalonians chapter 4 from verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord who will be present we talk there about we will do this and we will do that who will be present The we are every redeemed, blood-brought soul of every race and through many, many generations, including those who sleep in their graves, as well as those alive on the earth at that time. Not one will be missing. All will be clothed with raised, glorified bodies suitable for heaven all denominational differences will then be gone and done forever. Well then who will be absent? Who's not going to be there? Every unsaved and unredeemed person, the formalist, the legalist, those who depend on good works, for their salvation rather than trusting in the work of Christ at Calvary as well as the unbeliever, the scoffer, the wicked these and all who are without Christ will be absent this will be the upshot of decisions taken in life John 3 and verse 36 here is what Jesus said He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And anybody like that will be at that great meeting. And he that believeth not, those who won't be at that meeting, he that believeth not the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Rather than that, those who depend on their works won't be there, and that's why Paul, writing in Ephesians, says in verse chapter two and verse eight and nine, "For by grace I saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." And who will be the main person? Who is this great? Uh, meeting arranged for amid amidst the many wonderful circumstances of this meeting one will far transcend all others it will be a meeting specially appointed to meet the Lord God's only Son the Lord Jesus Christ the living Word of God around the glorious person of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, crowned with glory and honour, God's anointed one, will meet with millions of his redeemed ones. What joy to our Redeemer to be surrounded by a great throng of those who are the fruit of the travail of his soul, for whom he poured out his soul unto death. And thus as they too gaze upon that precious face, once so marred more than any man's, but now radiant with glory, what joy will fill every heart, and how perfect will be their place of acceptance with God. It is our sincere prayer that no one listening to this talk will miss this great meeting in the air, and be left on earth to face the horrors of the day of the Lord as vividly portrayed in the book of Revelation. We believe that it is getting close to when the day of the Lord shall come. And you may ask why? Well, here are a couple of reasons. One day, Jesus was confronted by some Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God should come. That is, when would he come back again to this earth? He gave two reasons as to how they would know that the time was near. Two reasons. That we should know when the time is getting close. So he said in Luke 17 from verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. As it was in Noah's time. If we see that those days are getting like as it was in Noah's time, then that's going to be a sign. And he went on. They did eat. They drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot. And he goes on to explain what happened in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Thus, even thus, shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, he said, whatever occurred during the lifetimes of Lot and Noah would be repeated or as he said so shall it be in the days leading up to Christ's return the days of Noah are described in Genesis had been extremely wicked days of gross immorality and sexual deviation were rife and now observe the lifestyles of those living in the days of Lot, much the same as that of Noah's time, but with one major exception. They did not marry wives, they were homosexuals. Unless one is living in cloud cuckoo land, we have to admit that we are living in very similar days as to that of Noah and Lot. But this time these days are not hundreds of years apart these days are running concurrently. Jesus has given us these indications and many more as to the future And he derided those who ignored them. Again Jesus said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, And they came to him and, tempting him, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather. For the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today. For the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites! Ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern discern the signs of the times? Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. May God give us eyes to discern the times in which we are living and act as ambassadors for Christ telling those around us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Thank you very much.